You guys are more excited about it than I am. Wow. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. And I want to say Merry Christmas to you. And uh, settle in because today is going to be the most non-traditional Christmas message you've ever heard. <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts. We're going to get there, chapter 9. And you're like, well, what has that got to do with Christmas? It has everything to do with Christmas. Every day is Christmas when you live a life for the Lord and understand his grace and mercy and peace and why he actually came to earth. When you live like that and you have that understanding in your life, you won't have to wait for a Christmas tree to be put up or lights to be put up or all of the pomp and circumstance of Christmas carols. You'll just go, man, Jesus came to earth and he did it for me so that I could have life and have it more abundantly. That was a rhyme. I'm a poet and didn't know it. And... Um, Really, really good stuff in the book of Acts. We've been there. But I do want to take some time just to unpack what happened so we know. What I know about Christmas is that it really just introduces us to the vast largeness, hugeness, if these are even words of God's amazing grace. It's just introducing it to us. We'll get the full experience of what love did when it came down from heaven and died on a cross and rose again in total victory. That's when we begin to see the bigger picture of what happened. And we love the, we love the Christmas story, right? That, that God was very comfortable, right? Jesus was very comfortable in heaven. And yet God heard our cry as humanity. How many have ever cried out to God? Anybody? Yeah, good. You should maintain that posture because it's he who holds your life together. But there are times that seem to be more great than others as we cry out in desperation. The psalmist David cried out many times out of the depths of his heart to God, just begging that God would hear his cry. Well, God does hear our cry. He does care about us. And, and, he, and he heard the cry of Job from the beginning. He said, I wish, Job said, I wish there was one who would bridge the gap. The, the gap is too big. I can't reach across the chasm to get to you, God. I wish there was one who would bridge it. And God said, I hear you. I hear you. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're, you, you've thought that this week. You thought, I wish there was one who could bridge the gap between my pain so I could get to God and receive what I need to continue on. And he said, oh, I, I've got plenty for you. And I hear you. And, and I'm already there. I'm already there. And that's what we know about the Christmas story. Not just that he took on flesh and went into a little manger, Right? Because there was no room for them in the end. I mean, we love the story. It's pretty dramatic. People all over the world right now are telling this story. Some are gathered on stage with children as they read from Luke chapter 2. And others are online. And some are reading in different languages. And the story is great, but it, Jesus grew up. He grew up. He didn't stay a little baby. And as awesome as that story is, it's just... Uh, not even at the beginning of everything, because God's love was always there for us. So when we think about this, I want you to think about something today as we dive into this story, is that he did not come and put on flesh, right, and move into our neighborhood so that we could do what we want. That's not why he came, right? And until we figure this out, and until we live for him, until we get a real vision, the vision that God has for us, you're going to be lost. You're going to be lost. If you don't have a plan for your money, you know what will happen to your money? It'll be gone quickly. If you don't have a plan for your time, it'll be gone quickly. Or over and over again, the last few years, I've heard people say, I need to retire from retiring. 
Right? They think they're just going to sit at home and do not know. Things happen. There's projects. It's like, well, I'm more busy now than I was when I was working full time. That's just how it is. If you don't have a vision for your time, if you don't have a vision for your money, if you don't have a vision for your life, better yet, if you don't have God's vision for your life, you will wander down crazy roads and they will hold you longer than you want to go and take you farther than you want to be and you will end up crying out eventually so you might as well get it right now. Acts chapter 9, we've been cruising through Acts and it's been beautiful. Uh, it's great and I, I, I really wrestled with God on this one because I, I was like, oh, I wanna, I'm going to do something traditional and you know, talk about presence, right? not presence but presence or peace and hope and all this stuff. And, and yes, all of that is going to happen today too, but I, I really felt like he was driving in here and it even became more complex because I preached this passage about two years ago in a message called Straight Street. So I was like, oh, God, I really don't want to do it again. He was like, I don't care what you want to do. Preach the message. And I was like, okay, I got it. Um, sometimes I'm slower than I need to be. Not always, but sometimes. And so we look at this, this man's life. I want to ask you a couple of questions because we're, we're picking up on this story of Saul, right? We, we already picked him up a little bit in, in chapter 7, when, in 6 and 7 when Stephen was being stoned, right? We say, there was a, a man named Saul there and he was heralding the people. He was gathering the people to come against the church and this is not a good man, right? In fact, there's none good, the Bible says. No, not one. But we see this guy, is kind of, he's kind of crazy. But what we know about him is his, his qualifications were many, Earthly qualifications were many. He knew the Jewish culture and the language well, tells us that in, in Acts chapter 21. He was reared in Tarsus, and so he was well acquainted with the Greek culture and the philosophies there. He possessed Ro uh, Roman citizen privileges, which is great. He was trained. He was skilled. He knew how to make tents, and he was capable and able to support himself. He was zealous and, and passionate, and he had leadership quality, and he had deep theological insights that he could break down, which we'll see much later as he wrote much of the New Testament. But here's what I know about all of that, is that none of it saves us or him. I don't care how many friends you have on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. I don't care how many likes you get. I don't care what car you drive. I don't care what house you live in. I don't care about your resources. I don't care about any of None of that can save you. And until we understand and get past our own awesomeness, right, our own experience, our own knowledge, our own wisdom, and understand that we must receive the grace of God in our lives, then, then we're lost. It's only by his grace and mercy. And I know you're already sitting here today like, this is the Christmas message? Absolutely this is the Christmas message. Because we're not careful. If we're not careful, we're going to sit around, celebrate, give stocking stuffers and all this stuff, and drink eggnog, and, and just get through and just go about business as usual. And it's, it just, that's not why Jesus came. And I will, I will lay down on my pillow and I will throw up all over myself if I feel like I did not give you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I've been wondering about our society. I've been wondering about people, individuals. Where we begin to ask the question, are we too far gone? Right? And I really wrestle with this. I'm like, wow. And, and, and here's what God showed me. He's like, you, you have to see people as people and issues as issues. And we've got some ridiculous issues in our world that have gone way too far. The issues are too far gone. They're too far gone. 
And when I see people as they, they begin to accept this stuff, and here's what I'm talking about, we begin to not just accept crazy, but we begin to protect crazy. That's how you know we are getting way, way, way. We're all off course. Without Jesus, we're off course. But when we begin to protect crazy, now I'm going to ruffle some feathers. Some of you aren't going to like this, but whatever. In our schools, right, they're, they're trying to tell little boys that they can be little girls and little girls that they can be little boys. And you're going, what does this have to do with a Christmas message? Well, uh, just, just hang on tight. It, it, okay, like they, they push this. They're driving this into, a, into our kids. Well, now it's, it's, it's even further. And like if your kid thinks he's a cat, right, then not only do they have to accept that, they have to protect that. I don't know if you know this, there are, there are teachers that are having to put litter boxes in the classroom. So now is what I'm saying. Now we're beginning to protect crazy. Do you think that's why Jesus left heaven? And so now, now let me bring this back around because I want to say, like, what, what we've been asking the last three weeks, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Where are you? What are, what are your thought process? And yes, the issues, they're, they're gone. The issues are too far gone. The people are not. The people are not. The people are never too far gone. And here's what I want to show you. Acts chapter 9. Let's jump in here. Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. Just that verse alone, we see this guy is out of control, off the chain, ridiculous, killing people with every breath. He's trying to take people out. And, and he's coming against the gospel, which is doing exactly what Jesus said would happen, but you shall receive. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of Europe, that has actually happened. But Paul is on a destructive path because he had no vision. You didn't see Paul like going and like, we don't read about him worshiping God or Saul, right? We don't see Saul. He's not like worshiping God. He's not like, I'm, I'm meditating on, on the word day and night. All we see is that he is pursuing the Lord's people trying to kill them. He's a, a, a zealot, right? And he's like society that is, seems to be too far gone. And we look at this, and uh, real quick, just a side detour for a second. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that never should have been done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Well, who wrote Romans? Oh, who was Saul? So he's writing this, this stuff, but he, he, this, is, this is later as he gets his heart touched by God and said, he's one of those people. He, he's one who can say, I know what it's like to live like a maniac. I know what it's like to live totally off course for my own passions, my own desires, doing my own thing, refusing to do what God requires of me. Verse 2 says, he requested letters and addressed to the synagogue in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. Capital W. 
Jesus said, I am the what? Way, the truth, and the life. Right? He found there, he wanted to bring both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. Saul's hatred for the church is really probably unmatched at this time. This guy was crazy. And I don't know about the context. I, I've read quite a bit about this. And it said that maybe he was going and, and kind of trying to play both sides of, you know, the, the, the high priest and the local government and them coming together. And maybe the, the, the Roman governor would have said, hey, do that. He's trying to get on the good side with the high priest so they could just scratch each other's back. It's, it's, it's horrible. But we look at that. Saul referred to Christianity as the way. And this is a term that we see a couple times here in Acts. Verse 3 says, as he was approaching Damascus on a mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. Listen, let me say this. And I'm going to say this several times. You better make sure you're going the right way before you step on the gas. I think a lot of people think they're doing right, but, man, you better know you're going the, the right way. I'm not just talking about physically, because, I mean, it's miserable to go the wrong direction in traffic, especially if you, like, pass your exit on the turnpike or something. It's like, you're just like, oh, man, you know you got to be there, and you're like, I'm actually literally going the wrong way. If you know you're going the wrong way, you should have, it, it should make you miserable. And if you don't know what the way is, Jesus is the way. So you better make sure that you're going, capital W, the right way before you go 100 miles an hour down that road. Paul is, I mean, he is on it. He is all gas, no brakes in this thing. And he's pushing and he's taking on a massive undertaking. Because remember, the gospel is spreading like wildfire. Wildfire. And he's saying, no, I'm going to catch every one of these guys. And I'm going to put them in prison in Jerusalem in chains. Listen, he had a mission. It just wasn't God's mission. What is your life? What, what, what mission are you on? Whose mission? Are you on your mission or are you on God's mission? You've got to figure this out, church. It says he fell to the ground and heard a loud voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Persecuting is uh, an interesting word. We don't know much about it. We talk about it. We know people in different places are persecuted. My guess is you've never really been persecuted. You might have been labeled it because somebody called you crazy or they told you to stop talking about Jesus at work. That's not persecution. Um, that's very, very easy. We live in the greatest country on earth and have all kinds of rights and abilities to share the love of Jesus without anybody doing anything. But Paul was actually persecuting the church. He was killing people. He was locking them up. This is really, really tough. And so now we know that this light from heaven, bang, gets him. And he sees something and he hears something. You need to see Jesus, you need to hear Jesus, right? In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? So he saw something, he heard something, and it changed his life forever. What's great about this is that he begins to talk about this, and he's meshing, and we're seeing, all, we're seeing the, the, the end result, of course, which is beautiful for us that we get to see all this. He's living this real time. But as we, he's unpacking this in scripture, we begin to, he's introducing us to something. He's introducing he, us into the concept of abiding in Jesus. Staying. Staying. Abiding. Remaining. Not leaving. 
clinging to, cleaving to Jesus, right? Because we're great attenders, right? But we're really poor at staying and understanding that we remain in the presence of God and keeping my heart pure before him. Look at it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Just listen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Romans 8, chapter 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in, in Christ Jesus. If you're out, of, if you're out what, what if you're out of Jesus? Well, there might be some condemnation for you. You might have something. And then later on at the end of chapter 8 it says, right, there's no separation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God except you in your heart. That's what will separate it. He loves you, but if you go like, no. The only reason that people are too far gone is because they choose to be. It doesn't matter otherwise what you've done. If you're not worse than Paul, Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. Five said, who are you, Lord? And this may have meant like, sir, he didn't know what was going on. Or it might have meant like, okay, I, like, I, I believe I'm hearing from God. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Whew. I was talking with somebody the other day, and they said, well, I just need, I ne I just need Jesus to, to show up in my room. And I'm like, oh. One, the Lord is there. One. I'm not sure you want him to reveal himself like that to you. <laughs> you're going to have a big mess to clean up, right? Because you're going to soil yourself. It's not going to be good. You're going to be terrified. We see it. Look at Paul's literally blind physically blind from the Lord showing up. Anybody, I just really want God to show himself to me. Really? Really? Is that what you want? I don't know. We look at this, but as we begin to break this down and acts in general and, 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 and Saul's life who becomes Paul, we learn something about this, this idea that comes across again in, in Acts chapter 26 and verse 14. We see that He's basically saying, why, and I talked about this last time when I preached that message, Straight Street, but it, it's, it's important enough to repeat for us today. Why are you kicking against the goad? Most of you have no idea what a goad is. Not a goat, a goad. A goad was a prod. It was a stick that was very sharp and they we're trying to get the animals to move sometimes animals are stubborn uh, we're the animals if you're not getting this right and so the 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 prod or the goad would actually you would poke the animal and what would happen he would move because he's got a sharp stick in his ribs or uh, you know wherever in his arm he's like i'm not i'm, I'm moving i need to get up off me right but this is even more graphic when he says this why are you kicking against the goat now imagine that very very sharp stick is facing you and you're purposely kicking that you know how miserable that feels all right i mean that is miserable I know some of you have grated the top of your toes on the sidewalk before. This is worse than that. And Jesus said, if you're going to not obey me, that's what you're doing spiritually. You're kicking your foot against a sharp stick. That's miserable. Why are you doing that? 
Why would you not just go, I'm not going to kick against that. But we, we refuse to listen. We continue down this path. Verse 6 says, now get up, he tells him, and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. What I love about this is Saul is not going, where are the people at? We need to get these guys and we need to get them arrested. You know why he's not doing that? It's because he's encountered the Lord. And everything changes from here on out. Go, go, and I will inform you. And so he's about, he's about to just take off. He's about to start something, the miraculous in his life, but he has to do something. He has to begin to trust the Lord and move at the Lord's voice. The seven, verse 7 says, the men that were with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Whoa. Listen, I know, I know the Lord is speaking. Lady asked me the other day in Connect Track, like, well, why is God not doing miracles? I said, he is. <laughs> You're breathing, aren't you? <laughs> it's a miracle. I mean, honestly, if you go back, you could say, like, I know most of you in here could count multiple times. You shouldn't be alive. You literally shouldn't be alive. Certainly spiritually. And beyond that, some of you literally were physically dead and God touched you. Literally. Oh, we have people like that. We have one of our elders who was, I mean, intubated for a very, very long time. He should not be here. God healed him. I mean, healed him. It's, a, it's, it's amazing. It's a miracle, right? The doctors said it themselves, and they don't, they don't like to use those words. Listen, if you don't know what the Lord is saying, you don't have to wait till he knocks you down to hear him. You just need to get in the right position. But a lot of times we just, we just refuse. It's like, I'm going to be over here, and I'm wondering why the Lord doesn't speak to me. Oh, I just wish the Lord would speak to me. I just wish the Lord would speak to me. Well, you're not in the right position to hear. When's the last time you opened his word and spent some time with him? And so it says that Saul picked himself up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. And we wonder about it. He's like, this guy's blind? This guy's like, that's, that's rough. I don't want to be blind, right? Now, here's what I know about God's grace, or some of it, is that he can very often, God can very often use trouble times to show you his grace, to get your attention. Does it have to be that way? No, it doesn't have to be. How many of you came to the Lord, re-surrendered your life to the Lord because there was an accident or somebody passed away? Anybody can testify to that in here? A few of you would raise your hands and say, I came to the Lord because of that. Something happened in my life that was tragic, but he used it. And what the enemy meant for harm against me, God meant for good to bring about this present result to preserve many people to life. God's grace is always on display, but sometimes like these catastrophes, these circumstances, these calamities in life grab our attention and we go, Whoa, I'm very aware of my humanity. I'm very aware that I am lacking everything that I need to continue in this life. I need the help of the divine. And listen, what I know is that God cares you. He cares so much for you. He cares too much about you to let you continue down the wrong path for too long. He cares too much about you. So pick yourself up and go and wait. It says he remained there blind for three days. He didn't eat or drink. And I remember when I told you before Saul's life, it wasn't the, the dictation of Scripture, what we read about his life there. He wasn't just, oh, I'm just here worshiping the Lord. I just, I just want to do what the Lord does. No, he was, on, he was on a mission again. It just wasn't his mission. But now, now 
God's got his attention, and things are changing. And he says that he did not eat, he did not drink. He was there spending time with God. He was pursuing God at this. Now, there's a process in this involved, right? There's a process in your life. I know some of you are like, well, I gave my life to Jesus. Why has he not cleared up all my court cases? Because you've got to pay the consequences, Right? It doesn't mean all, just because you've got jailhouse religion that everything's going to go away. There's consequences sometimes that you have to live with, right? The, your life is a miracle, but it's also a process that you have to go through. And listen to this. The correction that Paul was experiencing, the blindness that had come over him, the knocking down in his life, the attention-grabbing moment. Listen, the correction is the protection. The correction is the protection. Like, why am I going through this? He's like, I'm trying to get your attention. If you will listen, I'm trying to help you. Why are you kicking against the goad? Verse 10 says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. That was the last message that I preached in this passage. It's called Straight Street. To the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I bet you he's praying. He's blind. It's funny how those situations will kick you in gear, right? He's like, oh, I'm going through some trouble. Now let me seek the Lord. We should have been seeking him the whole time, right? He wasn't doing anything except praying, seeking the Lord. Verse 12 says, I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he could see again. Ananias is us. But Lord, <laughs> exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done. And he's done it to believers in Jerusalem. Mm. Anybody else have conversations like this with God? I was like, I want you to go talk to that guy. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. He said, I want you to go talk to him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You start thinking about it, and if you're not careful, you begin to look at people, like I said earlier, by their issues. And we start grading them, and we say, um, this guy's not quite ready to hear the gospel message. He's almost ready. Right? If, he, if he shows just a little more interest, then I'll tell him about Jesus. What in the world is wrong with us? How, how do we get this inside of us that we are the ones who decide who's ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ? He is the one who decides that, which is everybody, by the way. We are not the ones who deem this person necessary. When they get cleaned up enough, then they get to hear it. No, he's calling us on mission, to go on mission with him. It says in verse 14, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon her name. So Ananias is talking to the Lord as if the Lord doesn't know what's going on. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Now, instead of us looking at people with all of their issues, it's like sometimes it's like all we can see is their issues, Right? It's literally all, this person's this, this person's this, this person's this, this person's, that's all we can see in people and just instead of seeing them like Jesus sees them. Jesus didn't see Paul as a murderer. What he said is like, no, you don't go, forget about what all those people say. Forget about what he did. 
Saul is my, check this, not, not even Paul. Saul is my chosen instrument. What if we begin to look at people like that? We begin to see them right in the heart of who God says they are. Not their, not their issue. Their issue is too far gone. Their issue is, it's too far gone. It, it's too crazy. It's too crazy. But at the heart of who they are, it's written on there that God loves them. And there's, there's got to be a spiritual pulse in them that, that can, can come alive and get shocked back to life with the love of Jesus, right? There's something that can happen here. And we start looking at them and say, man, I, I believe that you are a chosen instrument for the Lord. I believe that about you. We start talking to people like that, and it's gonna, I think it's going to blow their minds. I really believe that. Now, this is an amazing one. He says, I will, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, well, that's a bummer. Nobody wants to sign up for that. Verse 17 says, so Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands upon him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit. This zealous, crazy, murderous person is now to be filled with the Spirit. Exactly what 1-8, what we've been saying over and over again, filled with power so they can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other part of the earth. Paul is going to go on. He's going to get filled with the power of God, and he's going to go out, and he's going to begin to proclaim, like we'll see at the end of this, this little section here. He's going to go out, and he's going to sing the praises of God, and he's going to live. He's literally going to be in prison singing as the jailhouses rip open. This is the same guy. This is a chosen instrument of life instead of an instrument of death what he was. Huh. Saul's being filled with the Holy Spirit he shows us his conversion. This is his, his moment to what we would say is pivot or repent. I was going this way and now I'm pivoting. God knocked me down and what am I going to do in this moment when God's got my attention, when the, the light has shown around me and everybody around, around me is looking at me going like, what's going on in your life? Like what's happening in your life? What is all of this about? Well, I'll tell you what it's about. It's about you getting to know him more. That's what it's always about. Everything in your life is an opportunity for you to get closer to him. Good things, bad things, terrible things, no things. It's all an opportunity. Everything can shift for you and those around you if you will do it well. It said instantly in verse 18, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight then he got up and was baptized one of my, my favorite parts about living life with Jesus the closer I get the clearer things become for me like, like I said if you don't have any vision if you're just wandering around you're doing life without Jesus it's like hey I'm going to do, do this and I'm going to do that and I'm gonna, we're going to go here and you know, just a mess just an absolute disaster right closer I get to Jesus, all the fluff starts falling off, and I just see, I just see clearly. It's like I can see. 
I can see motives in people because God gives us a spirit of discernment. I can say like, hey, I'm, I'm heading over this way. And God's like, no, don't go over that way. And I go, cool, okay, cool, I'll go this way. <laughs> you know, and you begin to listen more and more. You, 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 you quit kicking against the gold. When you start listening, you, st- you start following the promptings and the leading and the guidance and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you stop following this thing because this, this heart is desperately wicked by itself. But a life filled with the power of the Holy Spirit gets to move at a different pace. It's a different road. It's a different life. It's abundant life. That's what Christmas is about. Afterwards, he ate some food, which he should. He hadn't eaten in three days. He was hungry. It's okay to be hungry. It's okay to be hungry coming out of a fast. It's okay to be hungry not coming out of a fast. Stand with me real quick. I want to read this last last verse to you. Leave you with one quote, and then we'll pray. It says Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. There's a lot, a lot has unpacked in his life in three days. It's like, take all of this, everything that you were doing, take all of it out and put all of Jesus in. All of it. Take, take everywhere you were going, everything you thought about, all you take it all out, put Jesus in. So he stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately. He began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. That's Christmas. It's just like, oh, we we gotta oh, we gotta get it together and we gotta get the lights and it's gonna be great. And, and I know it's South Florida, but we'll make it snow because it's Christmas. Who cares? Who cares if we're not saying he is indeed the Son of God? If you're not saying that, if you're not living that, if you're not walking that all year long, do you even believe in Christmas? Do you even believe in Jesus? What are we doing here? I'm going to leave you with this quote, and then we'll pray. Because I know a lot of you have tried to do it your way for too long. Some of you have made this shift already. Praise God. We're going to, if you're on the right, on the right path, the way, capital W, if you are the right way, all gas, no brakes. <laughs> if you need to make a U-turn today, right? You might have to stop and pivot. (laughs) It's okay. You can pick up speed when you're on the right path. But listen to this. Here's what I know about your life. You'll get a lot more accomplished doing it God's way. Quit trying to do it your way. Quit trying to do it the world's way. It's full of issues. The issues are too far gone. You are never too far gone, and neither is anybody in your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? but I want to ask you this question just straight away. I don't want you to leave here not knowing. I want you to know if you're in Christ and he's in you. If you don't want to do that, that's that's between you and him. That's the only thing that makes you too far gone is you. As soon as you're ready, he's ready. He's here. Today is the day of salvation. 
Everything can change. Everything can pivot. All of the, the crazy stuff in life can be empty, and you can be filled with his power, with clarity, with vision, with real hope, and you can live that abundant life that he said, but you can't do it without him. And I'm so glad we don't have to. Is there anybody in this room who would, nobody's looking around, and would lift their hand and say, I, I, I got I to gotta surrender. I got to surrender my life. Just raise your hand if you need to surrender your life to Jesus. We can see him. pray this, this prayer together as a whole church. It's a simple prayer. We, we pray it often, but I really want you to pray it, not just say it. Say, Father, I believe. Come on, say it. Father, I believe. I believe in my heart and I confess with this mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving my life and I'll be the Lord of it. here by accident. We know that you are here with us. I know that you have done your work, your redeeming work on the cross. Atonement is available. Redemption is available. God, fill us with your power. Fill us with your wisdom. Fill us with knowledge and understanding and help us to stay in you, to remain in you to protect our lives by always being close to you. We thank you for the greatest gift that was ever given to us. You, Lord, you did it. You put on flesh and you moved into our neighborhood. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for not leaving us how you found us. Your love's too good for that. It's too good for that. And so as you're changing us here today, I pray that this will be a continual process as we seek you with all of our hearts. It won't just be a December thing. This will be a lifelong thing, the pursuit of you. Thank you for saving our lives. Thank you for changing us and making us more like you. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. Holy Spirit, have your way. And we pray all this in the wonderful, powerful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together, church? God bless you guys. Let me tell you a couple things real quick. One, if you show up here next week, you're going to be staring at some locked doors. Right, we are online only. I know for some of you that's a major disappointment. You're going to be okay. Um, gather with your family and be the church. Be the church. Open the Bibles together. Worship together. And by the way, that's not something that should happen just next Sunday. That should be every week, every day. That should be on display in your house. The second thing is uh, the 23rd, we are having our Christmas concert. All right, it's going to be beautiful. This is a great time to invite somebody. A lot of people won't come to a service on Sunday, but they'll come to a Christmas concert, which, by the way, we're going to share the gospel in there too. Um, get them here. Find a way to get them here. We love you guys. We're praying for you. God's biggest and best blessings in this season. Let's pray our benediction together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys. Merry Christmas.